You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Marble Falls, Texas sermon podcast. For almost 130 years, FBCMF has served the Marble Falls and the Greater Highland Lakes area faithfully through children's programs, youth activities, and adult discipleship. We invite you to join us each and every Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. for deep fellowship, rich worship, and a spirit-filled message. Never miss an archived sermon by subscribing to our podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. For more information about our church or to watch a video version of this and other sermons, please visit us online at fbcmf.org. Today is um, the second Sunday of Missions Month, and I hope that you had a great experience during the Sunday school hour going through all of the booths in the Great Hall and participating in ministry. And, and today's theme is, is about what you experienced there in the Great Hall with all of the booths. And, and the idea is this. God is calling each and every one of you to use the gifts and talents that God has given to you to combine that with all of the rest of the church so that we can make a real difference in our community, in our state. And I'm going to interview a couple of people. I want you to hear uh, what they're doing through our church and in our community because it's really neat ministry. And, and there, these are two ministries that you probably, you may not have known even, even existed, but you, you might be called uh, during this that, that these are ministries you need to be a part of. And, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. Um, one of them is our gaming ministry with Bubba Stallcup, and then the other one is the prison ministry with Lee and Tammy Weber. And would y'all help welcome all three of these folks here to the stage? Very good. All right. Well, Bubba and Lee and Tammy, welcome and, uh, to our Missions uh, Sunday as we talk about our own ministries. And, and, and so as we begin, the, Bubba, I want to start with you for just a second. Sure. You have a really unique ministry, man, that God has brought you to. Bubba used to be our technology minister of the church, and he did all of our lighting and sound and audio and, and the technology throughout the entire church, and then God begin to call his heart to do something very, very different, a gaming ministry. And, and there might be some of us, Bubba, who, who don't know a whole lot about that and don't know what it is. First, explain to us what a gaming ministry looks like and what it is. Yeah, so uh, first and foremost is that it's, it, Love Thy Nerd is the name of the organization that I helped found. And it's not just a gaming ministry. It's kind of a misnomer that we think, you know, think of a nerd or a geek or whatever, and it's just gaming. But we are doing all of it. So comic books, movies, video games, board games, whatever. Um, you'd mentioned, uh, Ross, a statistic that you had read before about how many gamers there are, quote unquote, registered um, worldwide. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just under two billion. Gosh. B, two, with two billion. Two billion people yeah. involved in this, yeah. And so gaming is a very large subset of nerd culture. And the other really big one is that, if you guys may have heard of the Avengers Endgame, kind of a big deal that came out. That movie grossed just under $3 billion. Um, so there are no shortage of people to reach out there. And that's what we do is we go out into where they are. Uh, we talk about it as going to their well, you know, Jesus and the woman mm -hmm. at the well in Samaria. We go and we, we go to their well 
and we meet them there and do relational evangelism, uh, which we're going to hear a lot about next year. Golly. The, it's so intriguing, but I had never really heard about this until you started doing it, and I've learned a lot from you as you, as you do it. But I, I wonder, what was it in, in your own heart that began to call you and you felt like God was saying, you got to leave these other things. This is where I want you to be. How did that happen? Not easily. <laughs> um, it, when, when God calls us to something, um, we often forget what he calls us out of in order to do that. And for yeah. me, the thing that I had to step out of was my fear. Fear of not having a paycheck, fear of not being able to provide for my family, not being comfortable, it not going well. But about 10 years ago, God started to stir in my life in this area. And I was playing a game online, which maybe some of your kids or you or your grandkids or whatever have done before. And I came to a point where I decided I could either do nothing while I'm doing this or I can do something. Mm -hmm. And God said, this is what you love, you know, John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Yeah. Like this is something that brings you joy and there is goodness and glory in that that I can receive. How do we do that and how do we bring other people to me through that? So that's where Love Thy Nerd was born out of was being able to take the thing that I love and I'm good at and I'm passionate about mm -hmm. for the kingdom. I have this Genesis 12 moment where God just says, go, just yeah. keep walking and I will tell you when to stop. And that's kind of where I am. I'm, I've got my stuff in my hand and I'm walking. <laughs> Y'all, isn't that cool? Pretty neat idea. What a wonderful thing. Well, Lee and Tammy, Y'all, um, Lee is the Sunday school teacher in a great Sunday school class called Life in Christ. They, they meet right now during the second hour, and so some of you may not run into them often, but I'm, I'm telling you, Lee is a fantastic Sunday school teacher, and his class is doing so, so well. But that's not the only thing the Webers are involved in. Lee and Tammy have been called to work in prison ministry. There is a, a prison in, in Burnett, and so they've been going ministering in that. Y'all, what a wonderful thing. L let me ask you, um, the, how did you find that? How, how did uh, prison ministry start to become your, your thing? What was it that brought you to that? Well, about, uh, I think it was around 2005, I had been working with homeless people. Kind of, I, I don't even remember how I got into that, but. I had been doing that, and then um, I was invited to go to the first graduation of the fa first faith-based dorm that had been established in the Travis State Jail out east of Austin. And of course I went. Of course I went. I took Tammy. And I saw so much joy, so much light, and just so much hope in a place that I, I had been absolutely convinced was without light, without joy, and with no hope, and been hooked ever since. Wow. Well, and I supported Lee in that. It was a men's prison, so I didn't have to go. I could just stay home. And, and I did support that ministry. I prayed. We baked cookies. We attended graduations. And... That was easy. That was very easy. Um, then when we moved here full time, Lee was traveling over an hour and a half each way. And I was concerned about that. I, I thought it was too far. And so we felt like God had closed that door. And 
so we joined this church and Lee heard about the prison ministry out there and came home and said it's a women's unit you could go (laughs) (laughs) and it was like Bubba said it was fear Mm -hmm. I was totally afraid that I wasn't equipped to do this Mm -hmm. and wasn't relying on the Holy Spirit to lead in that way but I was, God's been convicting me over the last three years that he's not satisfied with just knowing what's out there to be done, but he transforms us by getting involved in what's being done, Mm -hmm. and that's what he's been doing over the last three years. Um, I don't have to rely on anything on my own power. I just show up. Golly, yes. Uh, Tammy, um, what is it about it, about the ministry that you love? What is it that has your heart and just kind of makes you, you know, just want to sing about it? What, what beauty have you seen involved in the ministry? Well, you start a 12-week program, and the first night you meet with the ladies, and as Lee said, there's not a lot of light in their eyes. There's, you don't see a lot of hope, and all they really need and want is you to listen and listen to their stories and By the time you end the 12 weeks, their eyes have changed, their faces look differently. And um, during graduation, Jim Payne always lets the ladies stand up and give their testimony. And we had one lady this last time that stood up and said, before I started this class, I was not a believer. I did not know Jesus Christ. And her whole demeanor changed. And... Mm the Lord just worked a a mighty work in her life, and she left Tuesday morning a new person. And this the joy in their eyes. Yes, they are coming to know the Lord. Wow. Y'all, isn't that an amazing story? A prison ministry. in, In Matthew 25, Jesus said that I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the reason it's so important is because when people are in prison, it, they, they completely feel forgotten and passed by the rest of the world. I shared with the earlier uh, congregation, um, the earlier service, that in England, Megan and I and the girls went to a castle in Warwick, and down in the dungeon of that castle, it's an it's a eerie, horrible kind of place where they, they had a lot of people put into that, that dungeon. But even worse than the dungeon itself, there's a little back area that, that has a cage and they would just throw people into the ground and, and close the cage over them. And it was called the oubliette in French. It means the forgotten. And it was a prison where people would be put and they would just be forgotten. And, and so Jesus said, I was in prison and you didn't forget me. And it's so important. These types of ministries are very valuable to the kingdom of God. And, and you said something so important that God is transforming you in the process of it as well. Well, y'all, thank you so much. We have one more story, but they're not able to be here today, and so we have them on the video screens. A member, members of our church were sitting exactly where you were sitting, and they felt like God was leading them to go and be involved in a ministry. And I'm telling you, if your heart is open to Jesus Christ, there really is no telling what the Lord might want to do with your life. And, uh, and so you will recognize these people, our wonderful missionaries in Honduras, sharing with you their story 
and uh, the Slikers and the Pettis family sharing what God is doing in their ministry and in their life. Would you look at this? Let me tell you about the Slikers and Perez families. There are two families that were sitting in this room, just like you, a few years ago that caught the vision of reaching out to Honduras. They have both been there for almost two years and are making a difference in the families, the villages, and the hope of sharing Christ in their community. I was led here in 2014 on a medical brigade by First Baptist of Marble Falls and I felt the Holy Spirit heavy on me, not just to visit, but to do more than that, to be the arms and leg, legs of Christ Jesus. When you give, you make an impact in their families, for their, their home that they live in, the food that they eat, but also the ministers they serve, from reaching out to the, uh, the school that their kids are going to, the Syker family is, is helping there and teaching, but they're also working in some villages around there in San Isidro. The Perez families are also working in ministries around the area with Billy working in the prison, uh, with Inez working in, with women, and also uh, reaching out to the community in Santa Cetera. It is amazing ministry. It's what God is doing in their lives and what you give. You're not only helping with the ministries and providing food and clothing and, and, and a home for them, but also giving the assurance of prayer that's making such a vital impact on the ministries that we have there in Honduras. Your donations, we were able to help the Abundant Life Christian School build two new buildings this past year. This school is expanding and there's not enough room for students. And so that's a good thing. That's a great problem to have. And because of your donations and your faithfulness and your generosity, two new buildings went up and we were able to split classes so that 37 kids are not in the class anymore. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. When you give to missions, you allow Richard and myself and, and many other people around the world to go out and serve people that really need to be discipled and need to, to have the gospel shared to them. Here in Honduras, your faithfulness with your donations has allowed me to go up in the villages and just be consistent, my presence be consistent, because our ministry here is a ministry of relationship. We want to thank First Baptist of Marble Falls and all those who are contributing and who are sending and having faith in us for financially getting us here. We couldn't have done it without y'all. I mean, when God didn't just send the Perez family, he sent y'all as well. You can be a part of these two ministries by prayer. Each one of our families needs prayer as they, they make a difference in the lives of those around in process. Second, you can give. What you give goes to the families and their ministries and helping support them. And lastly, you can find out more information about their lives and get updates by going to discoverfirst.com missions. You can make a difference. I, I see it. And that, that, that's our family, man. They're just not somebody. They're, they're, they're not just um, people that we don't know that we get a postcard from. Our, that's our church. And people that we know, we know the Slikers and the Pettises and, 
and they've stolen our heart, and I, I miss them. Because Billy and Richard are my buddies. And, and, and I see what they're doing, and I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them. And I'm proud of you for sending them and coming together in this kind of missional movement that's exciting. It's amazing. I, I, I get this, this emotion of what the Apostle Paul must have meant at the end of almost every letter he, he wrote, and he would say to them, and if you see Timothy, or if you see Onesiphorus, or if you see Phoebe, greet the brothers and sisters and tell them that I said hi. Tell them, and, and there was this, this intimate connection of all of these people as they went around the Roman Empire doing ministry, and they knew one another, and they cared for each other. I see these guys, and they're, they're ours, and it's so important and they, they're not different. They're not super people. They're, they're just, they're us. Exactly like every youth and every adult in this place. And God moved their heart one day and they just came to the altar and they said, I think he's calling us to ministry and I think he's calling us to missions. And by golly, we figured out how to get them there by the power of God. And I think the Lord works in every one of our hearts in that kind of way. The, he, you have all been given a strength, a passion, a talent, and God wants to use it. I want to talk to you about it. Do you remember the, the hit TV program, um, Extreme Home Makeover, a number of years ago? Did, did I ever tell you that that came to my old town in Hondo, and they built a house two streets away from mine? They, it was a neat deal. The Todd, Ty Pennington and the whole group came to Hondo, and and uh, they built this house, and we would go out and watch what they were doing, and we were amazed by it. They demolished one house that was there in one day and did all of the dirt work preparing for the foundation in one day. Wow. Early the next morning, they poured the foundation, and by night number two, they were already bringing up all of the, um, uh, the framing of all of it. And, and we would go out and we would watch hundreds of people go and work on this house. And I was just amazed. Uh, the, they, they looked like ants <laughs> crawling all, all over the house. One day I was looking at it, and there were people on the roof. There were people on scaffolding. There were people hanging out windows, yelling at one another, throwing hammers back and forth. There were people calling for masonry work, and people were bringing it up and, and, and bringing up shingles, while at the same time, people were all over the house. There were people in the yard bringing in pallets of turf and bringing in plants, and there were people going in with paint. All of these people, hundreds of people, working all together to try to make this house happen, and, and really, it turned out beautiful. They did it for a coach in our community who had a special needs child. And I have a picture of the house here after it was finished. Look at how pretty that is. Um, they, 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 none of that was there. An old house was there. They didn't have any of the grass. And, I mean, all of that. The sidewalk, they poured that in one week. They did everything. They built the whole house in a week and put in the landscaping. All of it. And I was amazed to watch all of these people. 
and, and, and sure enough, they, they, they accomplished it. As I watched, that entire process just reminded me of what a group of people can do when everyone is working toward their strength. And it really is a biblical idea. Long before Extreme Home Makeover thought about it, helping people work toward their strength, the Apostle Paul said it, and that is what the people in Home Makeover did. I talked to one of the volunteers, and I said, how did you get plugged in, and how did they give you a job? And, and he said, I told them that I like doing land, um, uh, working on my yard. And they said, okay, well, you're going to be the landscape guy then. And, uh, and if you said that you were good at carpentry, then, then they were going to plug you into hanging cabinets or, or um, uh, trim work and things like that. So there was somebody that was evaluating volunteers' strengths and then plugging, plugging them in. And I think when all of us together work toward our strengths, we really can do great things. I want you to hear this passage. I want you to turn your Bibles just for a moment uh, to it in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. We're going to read it because we did not get a chance to read it earlier in the service. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. Man, enjoy this passage. It's, it's so powerful. Romans 12, 3, are all of y'all there? Okay. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. That's a good word. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given to you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member, I'm going to talk about this in a moment, each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If, if a man's gift is prophesying, then let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, then let him give generously. If it is leadership, then let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, then let him do it cheerfully. All right. What do we do with this? In verse 5, which I love, it says that, that we all as members of, of this current church, belong to each other. That if you're a core member, it means your life is not just yours anymore, but you bind yourself to and with the other members around you. Now, if no one ever told you that when you joined this church, I am sorry, and you should have been told, we, we should have told you, and if you're thinking about ever joining the church, know right now, when you join, your life is not your own. You're binding it with other people, and if that was not told to you when you first joined, then, 
then I will gladly give you a little slip that says you don't have to be a member anymore if you don't want to. We'll be the first church ever. The first church ever that creates an I don't want to be a member anymore form for anybody. Because know, know this. But what scripture teaches, and by the way, what makes a church so exceedingly special is somebody who says, my life is yours, and I love you, and I'm binding myself to you. It all starts with a group of people who God speaks to their heart and says, I want all of you to be together. And they come together based, number one, on what they believe about God, but number two, based on their mission together, that they believe that God wants them to move in a direction together, and through that, the Holy Spirit of God somehow welds, welds them into this unique kind of family of faith. And some people think that a church is just a, a group of individuals who come together, but they, they, they couldn't be more wrong. Your individualism and mine really gets watered down quite a bit because our life is not only about us anymore. It's not just about you as individuals. It's about us as a group. This is an important idea because other people's lives start to matter as if, as if their life was yours and you care for them in this deep way. For, for just a minute, I wonder if you would do this. Turn to the person beside you and say, my life is yours. Tell them that. My life is yours. Now, Romans 12 t teaches this, this, this neat togetherness and this neat connectedness. But then, in verse 6, it starts talking about your uniqueness and your personal uniqueness and your contribution that you make to the church and the kingdom of God personally. And as it starts to move to this, um, this personal contribution, the, this passage is not a, a one-off. Paul talks about it through the whole book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it's almost identical. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 really parallel one another, which tells us that God takes how you act and how you bind yourself together. He takes it very, very seriously. And the contribution you make as you bring your best and your strength and you bring it together with other people's strength. And that's what verses 6 through 9 is about. It teaches us that we work toward our strengths. And when we do this, we make a very powerful, powerful church. Paul says, is, is your gift teaching? Then you need to work to that strength. You need to be a teacher. What? If it's prophesying, that's what you do. Figure that out. And God wants to harness and use your gift and talent for his kingdom. And the cumulative effect of every one of you giving your strength and your best is an amazing kind of movement. And now when we read this as a church, what we believe then is that this is God's command. And so, frankly, we expect it. Our church expects 
every person who calls themselves a member to have a ministry that they are involved in, like the Webbers and like Bubba and others, you have a ministry that your strength is being deployed in that, and we expect it. When anybody ever joins our church, I often say, until this moment, our church was lacking something. That God wanted us to move forward in some area, but we couldn't do it. But today, because of you, and, and God has uniquely brought you into our church, now we can do something in this community or our state or nation in the kingdom of God because of what you bring. You are special, and so praise God that he brought you to all of us. You are a part of us now. And so let me ask all of you, where and how do you use your strength for the kingdom of God? How do you make a difference in our church's mission together? Our mission is helping people find life in Jesus Christ by following him. How are you a part of making that happen? Now, if you're not contributing your strength toward that mission, then, then I wonder if we should look at it like this, that you're robbing, robbing the kingdom of God and, and, and your church of something that, that we desperately need. Have you ever seen somebody with just so much talent and it breaks your heart because they're not involved, they're, they're, they're not giving in any of that talent? I, when I was in high school, the best athlete in the whole school didn't play any sports. And it's not that he was just really involved in academics and wanted to make good grades. No, no, no. It's not that he was involved in UIL or... or um, uh, the uh, FFA or, or involved in, in choir or band, one act play, nothing, nothing. Y'all, he didn't do anything and yet he's the biggest, fastest, strongest guy in the whole school. After school, we, a lot of the guys would be in the um, field house and we're working out and he would come over and hang out with us and there was a vertical leap chart and we would jump to see how high our vertical leap was. This guy would come in there um, wearing cowboy boots and, and being cold. He wasn't warmed up. He didn't stretch. He would come in there and just flat-footed, go a whole um, elbow length higher than all of the rest of us. We would be running 40-yard dashes, and he would go out in a pair of shoes and just take it off, and we would have cleats, and barefoot, he would beat everybody in the school. We, we, we were amazed, so naturally, man, we just begged the dude, please, Please play. There's no one who could stop you. Come and play. And he would just kind of laugh it off. No, I'm good. I'm good. Y'all don't need me. And we said, yes, we do. Please. We, we, we would love for you to come. Finally, we talked him into it. His senior year, for the first time in his whole life, he came to play. We were so excited. Man, we were going to do great. And he broke his leg in the first scrimmage of the year. Now, forget that last part. Forget that. The, uh, the, 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 the main point is that he could have contributed, and he should have. Forget the part about the broken leg. The idea is that the, when the Lord gives you a strength, something to contribute, give in that. That's Paul's idea here, and, and that we can be strong together when everyone is playing to their strengths. And so what are you good at? Are you a little league coach and you go out and afterward, do parents tell you, my goodness, you're good with the kids? 
my son, my daughter, they, they, they love you. You're just so good at it. If that's the truth, if you're good with kids and Little League, we have a children's ministry who needs you. Um, if, if your yard is immaculate and beautiful, and I've been to some of your homes, y'all have nice yards. You keep it up very well. They're weed-eated and whatnot. If you have a nice yard, why don't you help us have nice landscaping? Get involved in that. If, you're, if you are incredibly encouraging and happy, can we please put you at our front door? That makes sense. If, if you are ridiculously good-looking, can we put you in our parking lot? <laughs> and all of you are. We, we, we need you to, to, to give to your gifts and, and your talents. And, and, and where God has made you strong, bring that. But as you do, here is my disclaimer. As you do that, I want you to know that, that we love you for who you are and not what you do. Who you are and not what you can do. None of you here have to perform in such a way that, that, that in order to be loved or to be accepted or to be a part, that you have to, to make that kind of contribution. That's not what I'm saying. Occasionally I hear someone talk about why they left their former church and, and, or why they may not be going to church at all. And they'll say something like, well, I served and served and served, but they only cared about what I would do for the church and not about me personally. And, and, and they say it as if the accusation is churches use people. They use you, they dry you up, and you exhaust yourself on the altar of the church, and then they just move on from you, and they really don't care about you. If you've ever felt that way, I'm, I'm so, so very sorry. If you felt that way here, I didn't mean to do it, and I apologize. I think what Romans 12 is saying is that, yes, you, you give and you serve according to your strength. But as you do that, here is, here is what Romans says in the whole context of this passage. It's talking about the Christian life. And that when, when you serve according to your strength, and you're serving beside somebody else who is serving according to their strength as well, then something happens and you begin to be humble. You begin to serve next to somebody who is very, very good at something. And it starts to make you humble, it, and it, it makes you um, uh, believe that, you know what, I'm impressed with this guy over here or this woman, and I'm thankful for them. They're good at what they do. And therefore, it's not all about me. I can't do it on my own, and I am impressed with and thankful for, and I am empowered by all of these other people around. You start to notice other people and how much better you are with their help and how much better the church is with their help as well. And it leads us to this wonderful point that we may not think too highly of ourselves. Anyone who is so arrogant to think, you know what, it's all about my strength, baby. And then you start serving next to someone who is giving out of their strength, and you're like, wow, he or she is really good at this. What a blessing now that it's not all about me. 
and I become humble, and I become a, a, a partner with this, other kind, with this other person. You begin to be thankful for others when you do it together. You see, this is the idea here. You notice how much you need them. And so you don't think too highly of yourself. And the last thing about it is this, that, that as you serve according to your strength, God changes the place where you're serving from season to season. Today is our missions fair, and we're almost finished, and you're able to go back and look around a little bit more. But during this moment, I ask every one of you, would you reinvent and reevaluate where God has you serving to make sure that you're doing this in a place where the Spirit is empowering you for this day and time and for this moment? Just because you started serving in a ministry a long time ago does not mean that God wants you there until Jesus comes back. You can get out of this and you can start serving in a new and imaginative place and frankly, that might just be what every one of you need to instill a passion and a fire for the Lord once again in your life. To serve somewhere where your great passion and the world's great need intersect, and you are gifted to do it. Where is that right now in this season of your life? You can draw close to the Lord and figure that out. You can move from ministry to ministry. There's a member of our church named Ken Pulley, and he started a, a great hospital ministry, and I was excited about it. And then he came to me a few months later and he said, Ross, I thought that was it, but it's not. God has overwhelmingly convinced me that I need to be a part of the United in Prayer ministry. I want to make it good. And thank God he did because our entire Revive 2020 that we're going to be having uh, in our evangelism movement next year is all going to be based on prayer in the life of our church. And he's helping lead it. God moves your heart from thing to thing in Acts, Barnabas started out working with Paul, and then God moved them and separated things, and, uh, and then Barnabas started working with John Mark. It was a different kind of movement. Reinvent, reevaluate your place of service, and be where the Holy Spirit lights your heart on fire. That's what all of these booths, and that's what all of this day is about to evaluate and say, Dear Heavenly Father, you have given me strengths. Where can I use those strengths with my church to make a difference in this world? Well, that's how that house in Hondo was built. And I believe that God does great things here as well. And in the very end of it all, you will be able to say, I was a part of that. God moved, and it was a miracle when he did. And I was a part of it. Will you bow your heads with me? This morning, will you allow the Lord to speak to your heart about what it is you're involved in? Would all of you, we expect you, members, we expect you to be involved and to give of your strengths and talents as Paul teaches us. Will, will you do that? Or will you move? During this invitation, I'd like for you to pray, Heavenly Father, am I serving in the place that you want me to? And maybe, maybe as you heard all of this, you want to be a part of it and bring your, yourself and be a part of our church. You're not a part of any church, maybe, 
and you don't have a church home, and I want you to come, and I, I, will, I want to be your pastor, friends. Would you come and say, Ross, I want to join and be a part of First Baptist Marble Falls. We'd love to have you. And as you come to the Lord's Supper tables, which is open for every one of you, would you come to the Lord's Supper tables, and when you're there and you taste of the bread and the cup, would you say, God, thank you for giving me the strengths that you have given me to serve you. Would you pray that? You've been listening to the First Baptist Church of Marble Falls, Texas sermon podcast. Never miss an archived sermon by subscribing to our podcast on either SoundCloud or iTunes. For more information about our church or to watch a video version of this and other sermons, please visit us online at fbcmf.org.